This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the 2019 college football season preview episode two. I'm Stucky and I'm back for this episode. With me, as always, is Colin Wilson. What's going on, Colin? I can't be happier to have you back because being the host is rough. It's pressure. You have to have timing. You have to space things out. And you do that a lot better than I do. So I'm glad you're back. I think you did a good job handling the, the duty. So if uh, I ever get sick, <laughs> I know that you can you can take over and uh, everything will go smoothly. But I'm happy to be back as well. I was for those of you that are new listeners to the podcast, we are in a new location. The Action Network podcast this is our third location. We were the Jen and Juice, then last year the Action Network Colleges podcast. Different channel. You subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review, rate us. But you know, new location, but it's the same format. We're still going to have our voicemails. We're still going to go through in-depth previews. You had that great episode one where you talked through a lot of the Power Five win totals. Today we're going to talk about our overall broader thoughts. And again, it's only July sixteenth. So these things can change. We're going to learn information as we approach. I think there's only five more Saturdays about college football, by the way. So sentiments that we have are going to change. And some of these win totals or futures bets you want to bet now or you might want to wait. We'll get into all that. We're also going to talk with Brett McMurphy. He's uh, at Big 12 Media Day. So we're going to focus a lot on the Big 12 and some other topics here. But happy to have you here during the season. Again, same format. We're going to have Sunday night episodes that will come out on Monday, uh, kind of looking back at the weekend it was, previewing Monday night football, weekday college football games. Then we'll have the big episode on Thursday nights where we're previewing the entire Saturday college football slate. I can't wait for the first FCS or no, talking some FCS, FBS matchups. I do have a note on an FCS team, by the way, when we get to the Big 12, but that's just a teaser. So let's get into it here. Uh, just very broad thoughts and and. Before we get into this, I was telling someone earlier, Colin, I, I use this analogy. I have a girlfriend, a happy relationship. But if I was using an analogy of dating, Colin is dating all of these girls as as in teams. He is in mm-hmm. full-fledged relationships. I'm just looking at the, the Tinder profiles, trying to get you know a feel for who these teams are, what their interests are. So Colin is much more in the weeds. Uh, I'm getting there and catching up, uh, but that's why we will lean on you in July. Uh, But let's start with uh, a future that we both bet as soon as we possibly could when we were in Vegas for the national championship. We bet Georgia 12 to 1 at the Westgate. It's now, I think, 6 to 1 there. We both are high on Georgia. We both think they're going to get to the college football playoff. We'll get to our college football playoff pick shortly. I don't know if I can recommend six to one. What are your thoughts on Georgia and whether it's pass or play now? Yeah, definitely. The first thing we did was swipe right on Georgia when we were sitting at the national championship game at the Westgate last year. The the Westgate was the first to put up odds right as the end of Alabama Clemson. And we knew right away that Georgia 12 to one was a really, you know, not a good number. It wouldn't be there very long. So we went up and did the deed and got our tickets, but there are, you know, concerns with the team. They don't have any wide receiver targets right now. Uh, they need uh, a playmaker, a havoc person on defense. Georgia was one of the best defenses in the nation at stopping uh, explosive plays. 
but they didn't have uh, any havoc. They didn't have any Roquan Smith. No one was forcing fumbles. No one was knocking down passes. So I think those are the two things that Kirby Smart's got to find uh, on his defense. And, and that might come in the form of uh, a true freshman, Nolan Smith. So, you know, Georgia 12 to one, we loved it then. It's not available now. We're not going to recommend six to one. I think the odds on Georgia to win the SEC, which can be found yep. somewhere around plus 250 to 300 is the best. I will say that Westgate just, we're going to talk about this later. Westgate just released odds to make the college football playoff. I was shocked. They had Georgia at even. I figured Georgia would be, it'd be the same price as the SEC championship game. It's at even. So take the SEC championship win around plus 250 is, is the best value on them. Yep. Uh, you read my mind with saying now that it's you know been bet down six to one, I think the better bet is Georgia to win the SEC. And your boy Rodrigo is back, right? Blankenship would be hitting him from 55 yards out, and everybody's going to know about it on Twitter every time he does. Yep. Uh, and the other kind of team that we've been vocal about all summer and for the past couple months is Utah. Talk about another line move. with They were 10-1 to 1 to win the Pac-12 at some places. Back when we were doing a, a show that we did with ESPN early in the summer, I was saying, look, 100-1 to 1 or better – for the national championship, if you want to take a flyer. Again, that's now maybe at 50 to 1. It depends on where you look. They're 12 to 1 to make the playoff. 10 to 1 to win the Pac-12 is no longer available. What are your thoughts on Utah and the value in the market right now? The value has been sucked out of it so fast. So we knew about Utah really early. They returned just a defense that does not even belong in the Pac-12. I mean, it's a defense that could actually compete uh, in the SEC. Remember, they didn't have Huntley and they didn't have Moss. That's their star quarterback and their star running back. And they still covered the spread in the Pac-12 championship game against a really good Washington team. They now have their their, their playmakers back on offense. They have a, an unbelievable defense. And their schedule in the Pac-12 is just it, – it, it's very – I mean, with trips to USC and trips up to Washington, that's it. That's the toughest spots on the schedule. Uh, I've got some serious thoughts about USC. I've got some serious thoughts about Washington. So while – 10 to 1 was initially hung at, at, at for the Pac-12. I, I was all over that and bought it as much as I could, all the way down to plus 350. That thing cratered fast. So I would say anything above plus 350 is worth a buy on Utah because that's about the parlay that you would need for the Washington and USC games. Other than that, Westgate released them 10 to 1 to make the playoffs. So if you think that they can win the Pac-12 and you think they can do it with just one loss, I would say that 10 to 1 out at the Westgate to make the playoff is, is worth the buy. But considering I already have Pac-12, Tons of Pac-12 uh, down already. I'll just stick to that. Yep. Uh, and before we get, you know, it's before we get to our college football politics, it is you know, college football to me in a way is like the NBA and that, you know, the players that are going to be there at the end. The difference is that you know, it's almost a playoff every week. And, you know, there's only, you know, one six of the games and it's much more exciting and it doesn't go on a whole year. I could go on and on, but you know, it's hard to find a long shot. When's the last long shot we had that won at all? I mean, Auburn maybe, preseason back uh, 2010-ish, I believe. You know, there's we've had a couple that have come close, but it is tough to find a long shot with, you know, these powerhouses that just reload in Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. You know, and look, Alabama's plus 250 to win it all. Clemson's plus 200. Uh, I think that there was mm -hmm. a, a line out there I saw at Westgate. Alabama-Clemson national title winner, minus 180 versus the field. That's how crazy it is right now. Uh, I think that there'll be value on the field. We'll talk with Brett about that later. But, you know, if you have to say who your college football playoff teams are as of right now, uh, I'll get I'll follow with mine. Who, who Who's the four you're going with? And look, this is subject to change. We'll give our final playoff teams, you know, preseason picks maybe about a month from now once we know a little bit more. But as of right now, who are your four playoff teams? Well, let's get the controversy started. I'm going to go with Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, which who I love, and we're going to talk about them on multiple podcasts leading up to the season. Uh, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, and my fourth spot is not going to be Alabama. I don't think Alabama is going to make the playoff. I'm waiting for a no out in Vegas. Hopefully Circus Sports wants to put up something. I'll come out and shed a couple dollar bills on it. But my fourth spot's going to be Michigan. Uh, and I kind of reserve, we're going to talk to Brett here a little bit about what's going on with the offensive coordinator situation and is Bodog Jim uh, going to, is he going to let the reins go to Josh Gaddis and call all the plays? But I have Michigan as my four spot, and, and I kind of have Utah there on reserve because if Michigan has two losses, I think the Pac-12 can slip in and take that four spot. But no Alabama. It's pretty close to what I have, although I am not as bold as of right now. I still have Alabama in there with Georgia and Clemson. Boring, I know. By the way, there's a couple teams that have Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama on their schedule. South Carolina and Texas A&M. That's just brutal. But my four spot. 
like you, is Michigan. It's a team I'm falling in love with, and I'm starting to think I'm falling in love with them too much. But the wild card is Gattis, and how much more will that offense open up? The play calling, how much you know less predictable will it become, especially on first down. But if if that offense opens up, and yeah, they lost a lot on defense, but that that's a defense that can reload. Uh, it is going to be excellent mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. You know, they're at fourteen to one. So is Ohio State. Uh, I think Michigan should have better odds than Ohio State to win it all. They host Ohio State. I think they're a better team. You know, Ohio State obviously lost Meyer. Uh, but, you know, I'm a lot higher on Michigan than Ohio State. I think Michigan's going to win the Big Ten. So if you're looking for a sleeper national title future, I think, you know, Michigan at 14 to 1, it's not the, you know, the biggest long shot, is definitely worth a look because I think they're getting there. Again, that's subject to change. But you would definitely favor, I know you said it last week, Michigan over Ohio State in the Big Ten, right? Definitely favor Michigan over Ohio State. The, the addition of, and here's where we are as a gambler because, I'm not just, you know, I don't want to spread my bets out across five or six different teams. I'm going to be patient on Michigan. I want to see how Josh Gaddis runs that spread, runs that space and pace and, and tries to spread out all the wide receivers and, and let Shea Patterson go. I'm going to wait to see their first couple of games, especially Army in week two, before I start laying some serious money on them to make the playoff and possibly win it all. Yeah, before we get to Brett, here's a question for you. Who's more important to their team this year, Trevor Lawrence or Tua? As far as like one of them got hurt, who's more important? If I had to say, you know, as we do with point spreads, I think I think Clemson would take a 10 to 12 point dive in point spread without Trevor Lawrence. That's how much of, I think, a drop there is. Now, Tua, Tua does not have a backup anymore in Alabama, so we don't really know what the fall off is and, and, and the depth that we have behind him because we haven't seen really snaps from anybody else to – to justify how many, how many points of a drop-off there would be at Alabama. But with Trevor, I think we can safe to say that it would be about 10 to 12 points. So I would say Trevor Lawrence is probably more important to his team. He'd be the MVP out of the two. Interesting. All right, we'll have much more to say about that topic uh, and the other conferences. But before we get to some win totals and close out there, we do have a guest here, a guest we've had last year. Welcome, Brett McMurphy. How's it going, Brett? Hey guys, good to be back. A little bit uh, less hectic than last summer, but uh, <laughs> glad to be back on with you. Yeah, it's a uh, pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining us. And you're down at the uh, covering the Big 12 Media Day? Yes, just uh, ended the day two, the final day of Big 12 Media Day here in uh, lovely Arlington. They really want you to know that the Big 12 can tackle. They really like to, to show what their, bowl, <laughs> what their bowl record is, how many tackles they've had, that they do play some defense in the Big 12. They're kind of sensitive to that, right, Brett? Well, you know, I guess, I guess I see their point that they're trying to, you know, the narrative out there, perception is reality, and the perception is the Big 12 doesn't play defense. And they want to say, hey, you know, at least in the bowl game, six of the seven teams they play, played in the bowl had lower offensive numbers than their season averages. Uh, which makes sense, but you can't, you know, if you take a one game snapshot of any statistic, you can obviously twist it any way you want. But I think obviously it was funny when you hear the commissioner saying, okay, everybody write this down, everybody get ready to type this up. You know, we can't tackle in the Big 12. So bottom line, nobody's going to care if they can tackle or not. If they can get to the playoff again and actually win a game, they're the only Power 5 league that has not won a college football playoff game, then nobody's going to care how many points they give up. I think it's quite amazing that Oklahoma has lost three conference games over the past four years, and they've lost three college football playoff games over that same span. So they really do need to win a playoff game. Yeah, I asked. I actually asked Lincoln Riley that exact question. You know, what you guys have obviously had a great deal of success in the in the Big Twelve, like you said, um, thirty-five and three, something ridiculous since two thousand fifteen in the Big Twelve, but they haven't won in the playoff. And he said, basically, you know, what's it going to take? And he says. In the playoff, you know, they haven't played a complete game. Um, certainly they haven't been able to stop SEC offenses a couple of times with, with uh, Alabama and Georgia. And he says, you know, we've got to play a complete game if, if we can get back there. And, you know, it's obviously big for the league, for them, or for somebody from the Big 12 to, to finally win one of these games and get, get to the final. Because it's, gr- it's great to be there, you know, but then if you don't win, then all of a sudden, you, you know, people start calling you the Buffalo Bills, um, you know, comparing you to the Super Bowl. Their, their long string of failures, I guess. Yeah, I think that the Big 12 this year, it's, it's a really fascinating conference in that, you know, if you look at it, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of just question marks. You know, I think that uh, when I was just talking with Colin about this, Oklahoma is the deserved favorite and Kansas is the deserved bottom basement dweller. And then, you know, maybe Texas, Iowa State's that next year. West Virginia might be closer to Kansas. So then it's a whole, there's a lot of question marks with that middle group. Who's going to finish third or fourth? Who's going to be a sleeper who might drop and finish, you know, seventh, eighth, or maybe ninth. And a lot of that is because there's, you know, quarterback battles all over the conference, a lot of coaching changes. So have you learned anything, you know, any key takeaways or any reads from what you think is going on? Even Oklahoma, who said that Jalen Hurts isn't necessarily the starting quarterback. Uh, Lincoln Riley, I think, said that. Any key takeaways or something that you've gathered from the, the two days there? A couple of things, Ducky. Um, you know, the, you're right, the four new coaches, ironically or not ironically, those four schools are picked to finish in the bottom four spots of the Big 12 this year. Yep. Uh, I think Kansas is going to struggle, um, you know, even with less there. Uh, I, I think Neil Brown is a great hire for West Virginia, but I don't, I don't think win-loss it's going to show this year because they just had so they lost so much talent, Will Greer and a number of people. Leaving West Virginia, I think Matt Wells will do a great, great job at Texas Tech, but he's got to get some guys in there that can play defense. And I think Chris Kleiman, I think he is the perfect hire for Kansas State. They're always a tough team. I mean, you guys are well aware of what he did at North Dakota State. Um, and it's funny, the state of Kansas has two coaches that won national championship championships. Miles, obviously, at LSU and Kleiman at, at North Dakota State. And I asked Kleiman <laughs> today, actually, I said, you know, hey, Monday, Les wore his LSU national title ring. Uh, I know she didn't wear, you know, any national title rings. Why not? And he goes, so I've got seven of them. He goes, it would be a little heavy. <laughs> wow. And you mentioned real quick about OU and Jalen Hurts. Mike Gundy was busting on Lincoln Riley and OU yesterday because obviously people want to know who's going to start a quarterback at Oklahoma State. We may discuss that later on. But basically, he's like, look, when I know who the starter is, I'm going to name it. He goes, we're not going to play games. And then he said, you know, like Oklahoma last year didn't know Kyler Murray was going to be their starting quarterback until two days before the opener. We will name one when we have one. So Lincoln Riley saying all the right things. There's a competition there. But, yeah, it, it would be a major, major shock if Jalen Hurts is not starting in Norman this fall. Only one coach in the state of Kansas that has a TV show now that it's been announced that Les Miles is going to have a, a Big 12 Now 12-episode series. Must watch TV. The wacky coach lets see him do the crazy things, and that's all great. But, as you know, if, if they don't, stack up some wins and people are going to say what in the world's going on here so I, I hope Les succeeds I think he's got the toughest job not only in the big 12 but one of the three toughest jobs in America you know his, his scholarship limits when David Beatty was there Charlie Weiss left him a just total mess he had scholarship numbers you, as, you, as you know you can have a maximum of 85 they were in the 50s that's what Charlie Weiss left him when Beatty left they got up to the 60s Les said they're in the 60s now, and the problem is they can never get back to they can never get back to 85 because you can only sign a maximum of 25 every year, and you're going to lose people from graduation, attrition, injuries, transfers, etc. So you're always going to be fighting that battle. So yeah, I think there's going to be some some tough years in Lawrence. Call me jaded, but I I just feel like the Jeff Long era as athletic director with Les Miles is more of a fundraising event to get the facilities at Kansas upgraded than it is to win ball games. Maybe that's just experience from uh, paying the Arkansas tab from the last few years. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. But I will say that Kansas does need somebody to come in there and make people care about Kansas football. And obviously they're going to care more when you're winning games, but this is a great, you know, everybody's going to have their Les Miles stories, you know, in the magazines or in the previews this summer leading up to the year. Um, obviously, you know, they got their own TV show. So that, that kind of publicity is going to pay dividends. But bottom line, you got to have somebody that comes in there and wins. The question is, will Les Miles, you know, go away what he's historically done? And that's play, try to play great defense, control the clock, run the ball. We'll have to see because, the, as you guys know, the biggest difference is he certainly does not have anywhere near the type of athleticism he had at LSU. But he does sound, you know, I don't know if he's just, you know, trying to appease the fan base, but he does sound, you know, somewhat confident. And he, he did mention, you know, his time at Oklahoma State when he came there. He was there from 2001 for four years. He said his Kansas team right now has more talent than that 2001 team well, that 2001 team only went four and seven, but it ended the year upsetting number four Oklahoma 16 to 13, and they they had a decent 
decent team. They, Josh Fields was a freshman quarterback. Tatum Bell was a running back. And uh, Rashawn Woods was a sophomore wide receiver. So Miles is not being shy saying he has more talent than his time early days at Oklahoma State. But ultimately, we'll see how that pays off. Because when you look at their schedule, they're gonna, they'll win the opener. Maybe they get off the 2-0. and But after that, they're underdogs in their final 10 games. I don't know if I see another win the rest of the way. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, can't, I mean, here's the thing: is that at least the bar is low. I mean, look, they won three games last year. They haven't been to a bowl since 2008, where they finished last place in the Big 12 every year, but won this decade. Uh, so uh, at least he has that going for him. And the uh, after game interviews should at least be interesting. But I want to touch back on something you mentioned with Oklahoma State. So there's three FBS schools in Oklahoma, and Colin knows Oklahoma well. And there's, you know, I think we, as you said. Hertz should be the starting quarterback, but there's no named starting quarterback in all three. Even Tulsa, they don't know their starting quarterback. You have Boomer, the Zach Smith, the <laughs> Baylor transfer, Skipper. I don't even know if he's around or in the picture, but even they have a quarterback. But I think the the most interesting one is Oklahoma State. Really intriguing team this year. One of the best receivers in FBS and Tylen Wallace, but it's the Drew Brown versus Spencer Sanders. Sanders, you know, the highly touted redshirt freshman you know, former Texas player of the year, and then Drew Brown, the experienced transfer from Hawaii who started at Hawaii. Yeah, you know, I think I've even read that Gundy was saying, you know, maybe they have a, you know, go with two quarterbacks. What is your feel on what's going on with Oklahoma State? Who's going to end up with that job if you have a feel there? And, and I think, Colin, you want to ask about the Gleason hire as well, right? I mean, we can start with the quarterbacks because I know that a big part of gambling is some of these quarterback battles that are happening at each individual schools. And if anybody should know Oklahoma State, it's probably Brett. So I wanted to know about Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders specifically. And then how does the hiring of of Sean Gleason from Princeton? I saw Gundy State at Big 12 Media Days that they kind of run the same system. It's the same set of plays, same playbook. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know if that was exactly true. I thought that this would kind of be a more explosive, if you could get more explosive than what they've had in past years. But this would be even just a crazier uh, kind of offensive playbook going forward. Yeah, well, for, yeah. So I'm an Okie State grad. So obviously I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about who's going to be the quarterback. And I get a lot of different answers. And basically it boils down to this. Drew Brown is the safer, more conservative pick, if you will. He's not going to make as many uh, mistakes. He's more experienced, obviously. He's got some starting experience under his belt. Spencer, though, Spencer Sanders, obviously much more talented, a bigger upside. He's got a big-time arm. Problem is, it's kind of like Tiger Woods off the tee. Sometimes you don't know where it's going. So they open up at Oregon State. It should be a game they should be able to take care of, but, hey, you're going up to the Northwest. I don't know what kickoff, it's, if it's nighttime or not. You may get some funky weather. That's a weird place to play. It's certainly for if you've got a freshman a quarterback making his first start. I've had people tell me that Sanders is the guy. He's going to be the guy, no doubt about it. And I've also had people that I trust tell me that they think Drew Brown will get the start early in the year because of his experience, and then they'll bring Sanders along slowly. But same people are telling me, if you ask me who's going to be the starting quarterback in November, they think it'll be Sanders. So, again, Gundy says, and I, I, I take him at his word, that right now he doesn't know who it's going to be. When it is determined, he said he will announce it. He's not going to hold it until the, until the opening day. But like Stucky said, he did mention, you know, look, if neither one of these guys separates, he goes, I'll play both of them. Um, and as far as Sean Gleason, um, you know, Gundy's really pumped about him. And I think, Colin, what you're referring to, and I, I, I actually sent out the tweet and after I sent it out, I think I saw people may have misinterpreted it. Gundy said, we're going to run the same thing we've run at Oklahoma State the past few years with Gleason. We're not going to change. So I, I, he, wasn't ref- uh-huh. he wasn't insinuating they were going to run Princeton stuff. He basically said, we're going to do stuff that we've, that we've been doing here. So he obviously had a great track record at Princeton. I know Bill Connolly's really, really high on him. Gleason is the offensive coordinator. But you look at Oklahoma State last year, I mean, they were freaking Jekyll and Hyde. Four and one against ranked opponents. The only loss, one point at Oklahoma when they, they had a wide open receiver for the winning two-point conversion, and he threw it five feet behind him. But then they were two and four against FBS unranked teams, you know, and Gundy took it upon himself. He, he addressed it to the team earlier this spring and said, look, guys, it was my fault. I let a lot of things slide. I'd let you guys get away with stuff. There wasn't as much accountability. He's hoping that kind of changes the mindset. But even with that, Oklahoma State's picked, you know, somewhere middle of the pack in the uh, Big 12 this year. 
you know, one of the interesting things about Oklahoma State that is perplexing, like you said, they've had a lot of wins over ranked teams. They've won 10 games in four of the last six years. But, you know, the last two years at home, they've had some head-scratching losses. I think they're eight and five at home the past two years. The over-under, and by the way, before I get to the over-under, they, they do whatever they decide at quarterback, and they have a new coordinator. They do have three winnable games to start the year, which I think is huge, and they should get some momentum with their quarterback and their new system, you know, however, whatever tweaks that Gleason makes. And then they play Texas, who they're trying to beat, I think, for the fifth straight time. So I think that that does help them over-under seven and a half win wins this year if you had to bet it where are you leaning there well i i agree with everything you're saying and as long as they don't stumble at oregon state then they should be three and zero going at texas can they beat them a fifth straight time that may be tough to do so basically if it's if what'd you say it's seven and a half so basically if you look at a three and zero non-conference then can they go five and four in the league that's that's what you're that's what you're wagering on i would say yes they can um, because I think the only definite losses are Oklahoma, probably at Texas. They will be an underdog, even though they they beat them consistently, and at Iowa State. And then after that, um, you know, I think they will be either a, a prohibitive or small favorite the rest of the way. So basically, you're looking at a, three games they should win to start out, three they should lose, and then they can they go, uh, you know, what three and three and two the rest of the way. I I, I think they can. Um, so I would probably take the over on that. I definitely would take the over on. I mean, I'm still taking the over. We had, I think Jersey opened it up five and a half and uh, we got some money down there. You know, finally had some six and a halfs pop up, seven popped up. And I've been buying this ever since. And the whole thing about Texas is, is I always kind of just count Texas as a win because Herman has not beaten Gundy <laughs> since he was uh, an assistant yeah. at Iowa State in 2009. I mean, that game last year was a perfect example of what Oklahoma State's entire season was because they went into that bye week with a lot of questions. They didn't know what was going on. They had offensive linemen that were missing assignments, pulling guards that were going the wrong way. Uh, they had just all kinds of problems among the offensive line, and they had two weeks to prepare in a bye week to just get everybody on the same page, and they came out and beat Texas. And I just – listen, if Tom Herman's going to be a favorite at home against Oklahoma State, then I know I'm taking the pokes as, as a dog in that spot. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing because, you know, OU and Texas, obviously, the, the, that's so much is made about that rivalry and how t those teams have played. And, and those have been, the, you know, historically the two best teams in the league. But then you look at the success Oklahoma State's had against Texas. I, I, can't, I can't explain it. I don't know how it happens. You know, I know Oklahoma State has, um, you know, Texas is the for out-of-state schools. I think Oklahoma State or I think they have more than Oklahoma. either either first or second for the most Texas players on the roster. So maybe that's just, maybe that's part of the reason for the success. These are guys maybe that didn't get recruited by Texas, the uh, cliche chip on the shoulder and they come to play against the Longhorns every year. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we're speaking with Brett McMurphy, college football insider uh, at stadium. You can find him on Twitter at Brett two T's underscore McMurphy. Uh, let's go through some rapid fire questions here. Uh, we can expand it outside of the big 12 too, Kyle, and we can go back and forth. Uh, I'll start, but just that Oklahoma is minus 140-ish to win the Big 12. They're going for their fifth straight title. Do they get it done once again this year? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I do think the over-under is 10.5, I think. You have to take Oklahoma until somebody beats them. But, you know, the big question is what differences there are with Jalen Hurts. In no way am I saying Jalen Hurts is Kyler Murray, but I think what's funny is people knock his, pa his passing ability – and rightly so, that's why he was benched. But actually, his freshman year at Alabama, he attempted 382 passes. That's five more than Murray did last year winning the Heisman. So he can fling it around. You know, hopefully he can hit some wide-open receivers. But until somebody beats Oklahoma, i got to take the Sooners to repeat. Again. Yeah, that's fair. I, mean, I think the, the, the question that I have with Oklahoma, and I would agree with you that they are the primitive favorite, is that people are talking about a little bit, but maybe not enough, is their offensive line. They've had the best – offensive line in college football are one of the best the last couple of years they lose four starters so while they've had back-to-back -back Heisman quarterbacks and you know that are in the NFL and succeeding or will succeed you know a lot of that has to be on the offensive line they had a ton of time to throw 
So does that, you know, do they take a step back because the offensive line is downgraded? Obviously, they have a ton of talent coming in to replace those guys, but that's something to keep in keep in mind that Oklahoma's success at the quarterback position over the past two years, yes, was because of talented quarterbacks, but th- those guys up front, they helped a ton. Yeah, no question. And somebody asked Lincoln Riley, you know, basically because of the offensive line losses and Kyler Murray leaving, basically said, you know, now that these guys are gone, you know, you expect to dip on offense. Do you hope? And I think what we haven't talked about yet is Oklahoma's defense. I mean, they were god awful last year. Alex Grinch, I think, was one of the best offseason hires. That would be a huge difference. But he was asked, you know, without, you know, Kyler in your offensive line, do you think the offense won't be as good, but maybe the the defense will compensate for whatever the offense doesn't do compared to last year. And he said, look, we don't, we don't plan on the offense dipping and we definitely expect the defense to be better. So again, you know, is this coach speak or does he really believe it? But you're right, Stucky. I think that gets overlooked a lot with the offensive line, but their skill guys are just so, so good. And, and Jalen does have the ability to run around. He's certainly not a scrambler like Kirk Kyler Murray. He's more of a running back type runner, but yeah, they, they're still the most talented team in the conference and one of the top talents in the in the whole country i think the the hiring of alex grinch cannot be stated enough and it's the reason that i've got money on ou to make the playoff and it's the reason why i've got you know money in various places to the you know pro oklahoma and it's because he's going to get the guys in the right place he's not about scheme and he's not about you know stunts he's more about getting helmets to the football he wants he wants every single helmet around the football during the tackle he's going to have them lined up correctly he's going to have them you know ready to go and and the scheme that he actually does run is very familiar with air raid offenses which is you know prevalent through the big 12 i mean this was mike leach's defensive coordinator up at washington state and alex grinch was able to not just produce a great defense up there it was a havoc defense i mean they were causing fumbles and knocking passes down and uh you know he i just don't think he ever was able to do his own thing at ohio state because there were too many cooks in the kitchen on the defensive side of the ball this alex grinch hiring is just completely underrated it's not talked about enough yeah i agree 100 percent. and also you look at the schedule the toughest road game it's hard to pick one out at baylor maybe at Oklahoma State. They get Iowa State and Norman. Obviously, Iowa State upset them last time in Norman. So, yeah, I think it – you know, look, if Oklahoma doesn't get to the college football playoff and win the Big 12 championship, I'm not saying it's as big a shock if Clemson and Alabama both don't make it, but it would be fairly close based on what they have coming back and the way the schedule sets up. I would tend to agree. One of the teams you mentioned is Iowa State. Now, if I'm going to pick a team that wins the Big 12 that's not Oklahoma – a lot of people might pick Texas. You know, Colin is high on Oklahoma State. Brett, maybe you pick Oklahoma State. But Iowa State is really interesting to me with Brock Purdy under center, Matt Campbell, great coach. They're great in the trenches. They bring a ton back in the trenches, great at linebacker, offensive line. The biggest question mark is you're replacing your two best skill position players in Montgomery and Butler. But if they can compensate for those losses, get some production in the backfield, I think they'll be okay at tight end and receiver. Uh, Iowa State is a really interesting team, a team that I think wins at least eight games again. Their over-under, I think, is at eight right now. Any any feel on Iowa State? Yeah, I, I really like them a lot. I mean, you know, I talked to Matt Campbell. He was there today, and I talked with some Iowa State folks and basically asked them specifically what you're talking about, the loss of Montgomery. Hakeem Butler was a beast at wide receiver. Um, I think the feeling is there, you know, you it, the way college football is now, you know, running backs are a dime a dozen, not to, uh, you know, downgrade what uh, Montgomery did last year, but certainly I think they can replace him. And, I, you know, the, I think the Butler loss could be bigger, but the Iowa State folks I talked to today think that they're going to be fine. That, uh, you know, by just by committee, they've got a lot of people back that, that kind of offset his loss. And, you know, as long as Purdy does not have a sophomore slump, and can do what he did, you know, the second half of last year. Man, I really like them. You know, the, the you know they've got Iowa, the Cyhawk series in, in week three, their second game. They outplay them a lot of years, but they don't win that game. They do get them in Ames. If they can take care of Iowa there, this you know the schedule. You know, we keep talking about the schedule, but I think that's a big part. The schedule sets up really nice for them. Um, they get Oklahoma State in Ames, and then they have to go at Oklahoma and Norman, and then get Texas in Ames back to back weeks. So. If they're going to have any shot to get to the Big 12 championship game, they're going to have to split that OU Texas back-to-back setup. But, yeah, I really like them. And, you know, the good news for Iowa State is you've got a team that can possibly get to the Big 12 title game. The bad news for Iowa State is more and more people are going to come after your coach. 
because he is that talented. And I think he is the next star of the college ranks if and when he ever decides to leave. Or maybe, uh, we, you know, I talked to him today about the NFL. He said that was never really a goal of his. But certainly if the NFL comes sniffing around, he would have to listen at some point. Well, it usually means he's going to end up in the SEC if he's going to move up to the big boy. So switching to the SEC, Brett, <laughs> while, you, while you've been at Big 12 Media Day, uh, Ed Ogeron today uh, took the stage and wanted to tell everybody that he has seen the playbook uh, and that the spread is in the playbook. He, I, the, the wording was a little funky, but I think, you know, what he's trying to say is, is they're going to have a different uh, offensive philosophy this year. And I think if anybody wants to watch tape or, you know, hop on YouTube, because generally I'll hop on to watch Princeton's offense or I'll watch something from last year. But that bowl game against UCF last year, they lined up four wides and let Joe Burrow just sling it all day. I mean, they threw that, they threw more times in that game than they almost did the entire rest of the season. So if LSU becomes this passing offense, this this uh, maybe up-tempo spread, uh, you know, what does it look like for Joe Burrow's Heisman status? What does it look like for LSU possibly beating Alabama? I mean, does this change the landscape whatsoever in the SEC if LSU has a competent passing offense? You know, absolutely. And that's the thing. You look at last year, their first nine games, Burrow had – six touchdown passes and four interceptions in his first nine games. Mm -hmm. In his last four games, 10 touchdown passes, one interception. LSU averaged 363 yards their first nine, 491 their last four contests. Now, part of that's probably competition. Sorry to bring this up, Colin, but Arkansas was one of those final four (laughs) games. Obviously, the bowl game against UCF. So did they figure things out or was it the competition was easier? I I think it's probably a little bit of both. But I really think if you ask me who are the best five teams in the country, LSU would be in my top five. If you ask me who's going to finish in the top five, LSU's not in my top five because their schedule is so unbelievably tough. They host Florida, Mm -hmm. Auburn, Texas A&M. Oh, yeah, they got to visit Texas in week two. They also visit to Alabama. They've lost eight straight to the Crimson Tide. So they're going to have to pull off some major upsets. I don't think anyone's, you know, kind of, wishy-washy on Ed Ogeron. They either love the guy or they don't think he's that good of a coach. I think I think he's very underrated for the fact that you look at the number of games he's been as a coach there at LSU, 34 games. Of those 34 games, they have played 16 ranked opponents. So basically every other week he's playing a ranked opponent. He's 10-6 and six against ranked teams, 15-3 and three against unranked teams. He's winning the games he's supposed to, and he's basically – you know, a little bit over 500 against ranked opponents. That's pretty decent. But, man, that schedule's so tough. But if Coach O's telling the truth and they're going to fling it around, then maybe they will make some noise and shake things up because the only, the only thing that has been holding back LSU, and you look at all the offensive talent they've had in the past, especially the wide receivers, is the is their offensive scheme. So we'll see if they can, they can change things. Um, and if so, man, it's going to make a crazy SEC West even crazier because you got Alabama, obviously you got Jimbo at Texas A&M, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, talk about a tough schedule, and, Texas A&M, with uh, Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama. Crazy. I, I wanted to really jump on Missouri because I've kind of been hot on the over the total with these guys. They return so much, and the schedule is just very <laughs> extremely – it's going to be easy to navigate when you have teams like Southeast Missouri on the, on the scene, when you have CMOs on your schedule – uh, and you know, I think these guys kind of have a chip on the shoulder with the whole bull band, but that could get lifted. Is there any anything with the latest on Missouri or whether they're going to participate? Because otherwise, Arkansas turns into their bowl game at the end of the season, which could be important to capping. No, you know, I've asked some people about that. They're still waiting for the NCAA. The, the, even the the biggest, most optimistic people really don't think there's much of a shot that the NCAA would would reverse that which is unfortunate. Um, you know, we could go down a rabbit hole of NCAA, you know, penalties and all the differences, penalties they dish out. I think it's probably unlikely, but you're, you're right. I really like Missouri too. I think Kelly Bryant's um, it, it got something to prove. He's, I think he's going to, he's a perfect fit to come in there. And yeah, their schedule is, is cup cake city. I mean, they, sh- <laughs> if they don't get upset, they should be eight. No, when they visit Georgia on November 9th. And then they get Florida and Columbia the next the next week. Um, but you wonder if again we've seen teams that haven't been able to go to bowl games: Ohio State, Auburn. They went undefeated. Um, you know they had something to prove. Will they be able to do that? Or if you do have that motivation and you get tripped up and you lose a game, does the ceiling just or does the floor just drop out? And you know and you just you just 
tailspin the rest of the way. But I've got I didn't, on my pre-spring top 25, I had Missouri at number 22. I, I think they are a top 25 program. And I think it's all going to boil down to how they deal with this bowl ban if it doesn't get lifted. Yeah, interesting team for sure. Brad, you mentioned top five, who finishes this top five. Let me ask you a two-part question. It's Again, this is preliminary. You can change it. Do you have, as of right now, a college ball playoff? And the second part of the question is, do you have a preference, if you could start it over, how we do this, whether it's four-team, two-team, go back to BCS, eight-team, whatever, do you think the system right now as we have it is perfect, or would you change it? So two-part question there. Who are your four as of right now, and would you change the system? If so, how would you? Well, if we, if we have to stay at four teams, if that's my – I mean, I would – you know, I, I'm one of the guys that want an 18 playoff, Me too. but bottom line is we're not going to see one until the current contract is up. We got, we got seven more years. So you got, you got to wait. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care who says, Oh, you, there's a look in clause and all that stuff. It ain't going to happen. So we got to wait till that's done. With that said, you know what? I have no problem with the way the BCS was done. The, I think the, the reason the BCS failed or was viewed a failure is because they only had two teams. Because when you look at the, you know, there's somebody out there, a Twitter account or somebody who looks at the BCS rankings compared with the college football playoff rankings. And I think they've been identical on their on their top four since the playoff has started. So I wouldn't have, have any problem with doing the BCS. At least, you know, with the, the computer rankings, what is being graded on yep. as opposed to something subjective where it's just somebody's opinion. So I would I would actually stick with the BCS because you're going to end up with the same teams anyway. My four teams, I've got Clemson, number one. I think they'll repeat. I've actually got Georgia at number two. Um, I think, you know, they have – they return a ton of people back. Um, Jake Fromm, obviously. They've got um, 15 starters, 11 of which were freshmen or sophomores last year. So, I think they'll really make a big jump. And I think that, that grease fire against Texas will be a big motivation for them. Uh, Alabama – dip slightly when I ranked them third you thought according to Alabama fans I ranked them 33rd there's some regression <laughs> there because they had so much turnover and this is a cre- this sounds probably the dumbest thing you'll hear out of my mouth I think Saban is vastly underrated for what he's done and I don't think people will appreciate it until he's until he's done at Alabama but what he's done every year has been remarkable but how how can he continue being in the top two I think they they regress slightly because they had a record seven early entrants in the NFL draft. They've lost seven assistants for the third consecutive year. They're replacing an offensive and defensive coordinator. Look, they're going to skate through the regular season. They're going to be 12-0. and 0. Then they play Georgia. I think Georgia finally gets past them. I'll put Bam at three. And then I've got Oklahoma at four, winning the, winning the Big 12. So, you know, here we go again. Another Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma shake up. And, you know, this Clemson and Alabama playing the semis or in the final. But I like Clemson over Georgia in the final right now. Yeah, that's a similar final four to Colin, although he doesn't have Alabama. The interesting thing, we'll get to this later in the season, but is if Michigan wins the Big Ten, Oklahoma wins the Big 12 with one loss each, and you assume Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia. But that's for a much later discussion. Uh, before we let you go, Brett, uh, I feel like we talked a lot about the Big 12 and Texas fans will be mad at us. We don't mention Texas. Colin, I know that you're probably lower than anyone in the world on Texas. So I'll let you ask any question you want about Texas. I, yeah, so I don't know if I want to go win total or how much money should I put on <laughs> Texas not making the playoff. Or I think I think the biggest fear is, you know, is Texas. I've had a lot of Texas fans hop in my DMs and they've said, are we back? I, I, are, why are we not back? We beat Georgia. We should be back. You should be giving us more credit. And I really just go back to how many turnovers they had, how many close games they won, including, you know, games like against Kansas and the ability to fall apart against like Oklahoma State. That's a game that they should have won last year. Um, I think when it comes down to it, I just don't like the brand of football they play with no running back. And then Sam Ellinger tries to just force his way to get first downs. They're going to try to rely on the long ball. I don't think they had a play that went over 50 yards last year. They were one of only uh, two teams in the country that didn't have a offensive play over 50 yards last year. I, unfortunately, I don't know who the other team was. Maybe Army? <laughs> no, they, they played Houston. They're still scoring against Houston. Those were all over 50. I think we should start off with this. The question should be, Texas, LSU, it was recent the Westgate game of the year as a pick. Who do you think wins that game, Brett? Well, I'm biased because I talked to you about this, and you, you know, <laughs> I, I think I was drinking the Kool-Aid like everyone else, and you kind of got me to look at look a little deeper into things. 
And yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go with LSU, and you're to blame. So if if you're wrong, you know, I'll send you the bill. But basically, Texas. Let, let's look at why Texas only has three defensive starters back. They've got Caden Stearns and uh, Brandon Jones, or t- two safeties, and line, linebacker Malcolm Roach. They lost a ton of senior leadership on the defensive side of the ball, and offensively, only five returning starters. So yeah, everyone's looking at the overall win-loss record, and you're right. When you look at the stats and the numbers, if you take their name off of the off of the stat sheet and look at the stats, it's a team that probably should have went seven and five last year, and instead they went ten and four. And as you guys know, that stuff seems to even out the next year. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think the LSU game's huge because you look again: LSU, Oklahoma, at Iowa State. They're underdogs in those three games. They could be an underdog at Baylor. I think Baylor isn't could be an eight maybe nine win team Matt Rule's got it going there and then they play Oklahoma State which they've lost four straight to they get them in in Austin so there's there's three definite underdog roles and then two toss-up games and then it's funny today I was talking with a lot of a lot of the beat guys at Texas and they were actually they were putting an over under on how many games Sam Ellinger misses with an injury and they were like two Mm -hmm. two and a half so now you take Ellinger out of the offense Against any of those five opponents, it's going to be tough to win those games. And like you mentioned, last year they, you know, they struggled against Kansas. Um, the, the Baylor game came down to a, you know, hail mary in the end zone in the in the final minute or whatever. So basically, every break went their way. Certainly, they dominated a Georgia team. I don't want to. I don't care how unmotivated they were. They still they lined up and they beat their ass. But I think this mm-hmm. year, I think there is going to be some regression there. I even asked Sam Ellinger today, I said, when you said Texas is back, what exactly did you mean? And he said, well, I was basically celebrating. I really wasn't specifically saying, you know, anything that we're at this point or whatever. But I think a lot of people are just blindly look at Texas 10 wins last year. They beat Georgia. So now they're going to improve on that. I'm I'm drinking Collins Kool-Aid and I think they're going (laughs) to they're going to regress to, you know, eight wins, maybe maybe nine. Texas is a simple team, people. They beat the teams that no one thinks they're going to beat, and then they're going to watch. They'll, they'll be down at the half in week one to La Tech. Okay, so I was going to bring that up because La Tech, everybody asks me, you know, isn't Texas back? And here's what I think that Texas has to do to impress me. And what Sam Ellinger has to do to impress me is that he starts off with two of the best defensive backs on the schedule in the entire nation. He gets a Mick Robertson at Louisiana Tech who's going to play in the NFL and probably be a high-round draft pick. And then after that, he gets Grant Delpit over at LSU. So – Beat those two teams, uh, have have an impressive passing game, uh, have a clean box score. I don't want you to beat LSU by three, but be given four turnovers. Uh, and then we'll finally say Texas is back. But other than that, you know, until then, my money's going to be against them. Well, Herman talked about today, literally, that about we have an NFL system. We run, you know, NFL routes. We use NFL packages. So basically saying we are not going to be a chuck and duck type team. So he <laughs> is going to, again, if you're playing – playing in-game totals it sounds like he would prefer a lower scoring type game um but you know with all those defensive losses i think they're gonna have to get in some shootouts and the question is you know can ellinger do it again um and certainly if with as much as he runs the ball can he stay healthy all season i think that's the biggest biggest factor which determines if if texas is back or if they you know kind of stumble stumble this year Yep. Yeah, I think that's a great point. If Texas, so if Texas beats LSU, Texas fans, send your hate to Colin, and then send your hate to Brett, who will forward it to Colin because Colin yeah. is spreading his Texas hate uh, all across the globe. Thanks for joining us, Brett. We'll have you on later in the summer if you would like to join us. We'll talk some Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan. We can talk some updated Big Twelve because we're gonna have some updated quarterback battles. Uh, and we're going to get a lot more information as the summer goes on. So, again, Brett McMurphy, College Football Insider of Stadium. You can catch him on Twitter at Brett underscore McMurphy. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Brett. Yeah, thanks, guys. Let's do it again. Really enjoyed it. All right, thanks again to Brett for joining us. Before we get out of here, let's just spend a couple minutes on some big 12 teams and win totals, of teams that we didn't talk about. I'll start with one. You know, we talked about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, Iowa State. You know, we even touched on some Kansas now, so there's a couple teams left there that we didn't really get into as far as their win totals are concerned. I'll start with probably my favorite win total. Look, every single year I have a, an opinion uh, and I'm invested in West Virginia. It was all about the under two years ago than the over last year. Uh, I'm back to the under. Look, I know it's low at five and everyone is low in West Virginia, but I can't find five wins on the schedule. 
And that's if I even give them a win in week one. Soldier, I was going to mention FCS team over JMU, who is absolutely loaded. I mean, they have a defensive starter back at every single position. And, you know, they bring back a ton of talent on offense. They're number one, I believe they're number one preseason JMU uh, in FCS. So I think they could beat West Virginia, especially with that defense. I have a whole new staff. They have, you know, they're going to have a new quarterback. There's, you know, between Allison and the other kid. They're, they just lost a ton at a bunch of transfers. I can't find five wins on the schedule, even if they beat James Madison. West Virginia under five might be my favorite Big 12 win total. What say you about that? And where do you want to touch on next? It's definitely the way to go because we we try not to invest in teams that uh, have a new coach, new schemes, new quarterback, and in this case, missing your top three wide receivers. Uh, I think you've lost yeah lost three of your five offensive linemen. So there's going to be a learning curve here all over because you know what Holgerson was running versus what Neil Brown was running at Troy are two completely different things. Now Action Network mathematically we had this at five point seven. Caesars just opened this up at five and a half with a little bit of juice to the under, but you're right. Fading them and going under five and a half is the only way to go. Yep. A couple of teams we didn't talk about Baylor. You know, they have Charlie Brewer back. Interesting team. I mean, you know, over under, I think it's seven and a half. They're 16 to one, the big, big 12. I don't really want any part of the seven and a half. I mean, I think, you know, it might come down to they play Oklahoma and Texas and back-to-back weeks at home towards the end of the year, and then a potential letdown spot after that at Kansas. So I think that I might be able to just bet them, as a home dog in one of those spots and it's going to be close to that seven and a half. You know, I love rule. I love Brewer, but seven and a half looks right to me. Any, any feel on Baylor? Yeah, I completely agree with you that they're going to be a team that we play. We look to play on week to week and not a team that we want to invest in a lot preseason. I think they opened up 30 to one to win the big 12, but I mean, that it takes a lot of things for that to happen. When your win total is seven and a half, you're going to have to overachieve and get to nine or 10 to get into that game. So we have them at 7.7 on the action network and so seven and a half is completely correct but you're right this november schedule they go to tcu then they have oklahoma texas and they end up with kansas but they're going to upset one of those two oklahoma or texas and really ruin uh one of their seasons hopefully it's texas and not oklahoma but uh you're right baylor's going to snatch up and they're going to get somebody and it's going to be you know in, in november and that will be there to play them I can already see myself after that upset. I forget who they play second, Oklahoma or Texas. I can already see myself playing Kansas. Oh, God, in the (laughs) final week of the year. They're playing Texas before Thanksgiving and then Kansas the weekend of Thanksgiving. So can you imagine having a a Kansas bet against West Virginia while you're uh, having turkey leftovers? Oh, it's going to be rough. And then another team that we didn't talk about a lot, Kansas State. Obviously, Bill Snyder is out. Kleinman is in. By the way, over the last five years, Division One. Obviously, different levels of competition, but Kleiman had the most wins over the last five years. He had 69 nice wins, uh, and Saban was next with 67. But the guy knows how to win. He's gone on the road uh, and beaten FBS teams. But Kansas State over five and a half, I think, juice plus money on the over. The, there's a lot of questions on offense. I mean, Skylar Thompson is going to be, I presume, the quarterback. They lost a lot of running back. James Gilbert, the Ball State transfer, might get a lot of carries there. There's going to be some other guys in play. The skill position players, just a lot of questions. Also questions on defense, new system. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough team to read at five and a half. I think I'm going to learn a lot about them early on. A team I don't really want to wager on the win total. How do you feel on Kansas State? Yeah, I mean, they're going to play Nichols to start off. So, you know, we're going back to uh, Cleman gets a shot against an FCS team. Nichols uh, going for back-to-back Kansas wins <laughs> to start the year. Yeah, so that should be about a 25-point spread. And then after that, they're going to play Bowling Green, which is the next step up, uh, you know, for FCS. That should be about a 25-point spread. So we'll learn a lot about how much organization he has with the team because, uh, you know, it, he wants to get them on his system uh, and his way of, of approaching games, you know, for the, the week of practice and, and how to handle, you know, film afterwards. And that's going to be a, a you know, it's going to be a real culture shock for a lot of players there. And there's just too many questions in a lot of places. I will say that our projection is higher than the listed number. Uh, I think, you know, it's opened up at five and a half and I think we have it around six. So, uh, but, you know, then again, I don't play first year coaches. Uh, I generally try to stay away from taking the over and a coach in a new place. Yeah, I actually have them circled as a potential under team early on. Uh, they're probably going to run it a ton. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I do have some questions about their defense, but just the skill positions, a lot of questions on offense there. Texas Tech, talk about changes. I they're going to move to a three-three-five on defense. They have a new head coach in Matt Wells. I, I, that you'd consider a defensive coach and, a you know, kind of likes to run it a little bit. He does play as an offensive corner, likes tempo. But this is a whole change 
from Cliff Kingsbury uh, and what Texas Tech has been to bring in a Matt Wells, who I really like. Alan Bowman is obviously back. Over under six and a half, but you're gonna have a new a new scheme on offense, new scheme on defense, a lot of changes with Texas Tech. I you know, six and a half looks about right to me. A team I don't want to guess at. There's a lot of unknowns here. Would you agree there? Yeah, a, a few unknowns there. I, I we actually have this mathematically, they should go over their total of six. Uh so I would guess that they're gonna get to a bowl. But you know, again, with a first year coach, it's a little you know, a little questionable, but uh, Bowman's back. And as long as he hasn't got a, a punctured lung, you know, he, he does have, he does lose his top two receiving targets. He does get TJ Vasher back who had 80 targets last year. And he has a transfer from Nevada, which, you know, should know the system really well for Wells. So we definitely like the offense there, but it's a huge change from Cliff Kingsbury and what was going on last year. Uh, I think defensively, we need to pay attention to what's going on on that side of the ball, because as much as I hyped them up last year, they just didn't produce any havoc whatsoever. So for me, they're a, they're an off-season uh, no-play, and uh, during the season we'll learn a lot throughout the first couple of games, uh, you know, against Montana State. And then our, our boys, UTEP, in week two. UTEP. I can't wait to talk about UTEP. You know, before we sign off, one last team to get to. And look, I said before, the, the theme of kind of the Big 12, new coaches, the K-State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas, all new coaches, QB battles. I mean, Kansas, I don't even know who their quarterback is going to be West Virginia quarterback battle, Oklahoma State, even Oklahoma, like Riley said, that there is a competition right now. And I think the culmination of that, while there's no coaching change at TCU, they have Gary Patterson back, uh, the quarterback battle there. I think there's four guys in the running at the K State transfer, a bunch <laughs> of other guys. I don't know who is in the lead right now for the TCU quarterback. That position all year long is going to make or break. TCU season they lost a lot on defense but you think that Patterson might be able to figure it out that you know the offense it comes down to that quarterback position uh, TCU is a tough team to figure out because you want to trust Patterson but you, there's a lot of question marks with this team over under what I believe is at seven and a half uh any mm-hmm. do you have any news on the quarterback there and and your thoughts on TCU uh, Patterson showed up to Big 12 Media Days and was talking about, you know, how there's it's a five-man race. Uh, there's another one in there. But, you know, everybody come on down to Fort Worth. Everybody gets a shot to put on the purple and play for the Horn Frogs and, and take a snap under center. But it's, it's going to be really hard to figure out here who's going to be, you know, play. I mean, when the odds come out about who's going to be playing quarterback here, I would assume that Justin Rogers, he was the most highly ranked recruit uh, that got into TCU. So I would assume he's the one that had the drop foot injury last year, uh, even though Alex Delton in Kansas State has a ton, you know, more experience than anybody else. Uh, you know, Mike Collins ran it last year, but just wasn't explosive at all. He's just kind of a guy to, you know, hold the ball and not make any mistakes. So it, it's tough. I have no clue who's going to who's going to win the quarterback battle. And until you know that you have quarterback efficiency, you definitely don't want to lay money on the on the over. Now, I talked about this on our last podcast that Vegas had TCU come out at seven and a half. Phil Steele does have influence on the market. He had them as their number three surprise team. But at the Action Network, I've got this calculated at 5.7. So this is an underplay for me all the way. Uh, you know, even though the defense and people were ranting and raving about the defense, and I understand that Patterson is a defensive guy and he's had it in the past and and uh, they're projected to be a top 20 defense. But, you know, they still had some problems last year, uh, big plays. And so until the quarterback efficiency gets figured out, who's going to play quarterback? To me, it's just a complete stay away until I see what we got on the field. Yep. I mean, I, I think that, you know, you, yeah, I, I just have no idea – who is going to win that job? I mean, Delton could, could potentially win it. I don't know. And that's, there's just too much unknown with TCU. Uh, but if you make the projection 5.7, that's a clear, like, look, there, there comes a point in time when there, the deviation is big enough that you have to play it. Yeah. You know, if it's close, if you see, you know, we said West Virginia 5.7, if you, even if the over under is five, you can say, well, I still kind of like the under, but when it's almost two full wins, yep. you play the under. And, and the reason why I like the under with this team also is remember with the big 12, they have nine conference games. So TCU only has four home games and those home games, two of them are against Kansas and West Virginia. So they don't get to take road games in big 12 play against the bottom feeders in the conference. They have to have them come to Fort Worth, which means TCU has the toughest schedule in the, in terms of big 12 conference play TCU's got it the toughest. Uh, So, you know, they don't get to burn a nice road trip up to Lawrence and get a freebie win. So definitely the under on this team. Yep. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for us today. Thank you for listening. It is good to be back talking college football. We'll have plenty more preview podcasts leading up to the season. And then once we get into season, like I mentioned before, we'll have two weekly episodes, one that comes out on Monday, one that comes out on Friday mornings. Look, by the time you're listening to this, what are we down to 38 days? Uh, Only five more Saturdays without college football. We are getting close. 
We will talk more in depth on the SEC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12. We'll get into Group of Five. I mean, we have a lot more to cover. Heisman, more in in futures, and just we're going to be learning a lot as the season progresses. So we have a lot more to come. So make sure hit that subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend. We appreciate you listening. Uh, If you have questions or want to bitch about baseball betting during the summer, again, our voicemail (laughs) uh, is always open. We'll be doing them maybe throughout the summer, but definitely during the season. For those who aren't out familiar, people throughout the weekend leave us voicemails, yelling, screaming about bad beats or great wins. We recap them as part of the recap episode on Monday mornings. That number, you can find it on my Twitter at StuckyTube. It is 575 655 0664. The louder you scream, the more likely you'll get on uh, our recap. Uh, so thanks for joining me, Colin. And we look forward to doing many more of these previews before the season starts. Cheers. Peace out. Thank you.